Today, I am wearing my new Hacker Noon shirt that came in the mail yesterday. It's soft, it's unwashed, it's great, and I put it on this morning and I just thought to myself, I never thought that I would drink corporate Kool-Aid again, but here we are, putting it on the shirt, doing it, and what better way to launch this podcast than to talk about Hacker Noon and how we got started um, with this company. David and Storm, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. Of course, this is the Hacker Noon Podcast, and my name is Amy Tom. David, I would love to ask you some questions about how you started Hacker Noon. And so to give the listeners some background as well, I think I started here maybe seven-ish months ago at this point, maybe eight, no, maybe seven. And so, David, when did you start working at Hacker Noon? Hacker Noon started as a side project. I was uh, just left this uh, company called Smart Recruiters and saw it go from five to 100 people and was ready to have a site that made money while I slept and was ready to be done with bosses in general, except my customers and writers. And so I was just building a bunch of sites, trying to figure out what would grow. And Hacker Noon's the one that like hit the spot of just a sweet spot between readers, writers, and a cool place to spend time on the internet. Technologists in general understand they need to talk about their work. Blogging is something that's very good for their profession and gets them more users. So having our model of the contributor owns the content and we bring editing and distribution, that's something I could do and knew how to do. And that model fit really well with technology. And it took, I think I was building it for maybe 15 months before we got our first paying customer. Then we started to become enough good enough that first paying customer was actually hired.com. There's a free plug right there. They bought the whole site, did a site-wide takeover for some time, bought our email. And then it became enough of a money-making machine for me to recruit Ling, who's my wife, who's much more talented than me. And it was enough for two jobs and not just one. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was really good. Okay, and- I have some questions. When did you start? Uh, so hackernoon.com at 2016. 2016. Okay. And then when you say we at the beginning, who was we? Oh, mostly me, but also my friend Jay Zalowitz, who built some original scripts to ask writers to bring their content here. And he's an engineer at the time. Most recently, he was at Sonder, but he's been an engineer at Capital One, a couple different places. And uh, it was just really over beer. I was just because I had this one room office where I was serving marketing clients. It was called the Flood Building at Market and Fourth in San Francisco. So I had a little bit of a hub of people just come here and like work on whatever even though it was like super tiny, <laughs> this little like room in San Francisco. Yeah. So a lot. Of, and then, I mean, he never was full-time on the project. He was always part-time and uh, has a small stake in it. And he's building a, his own company now, I think. It seems to be a trend when you leave Hacker Noon, you build your own company. And I always feel like much better when people do that. I get like slightly annoyed when they leave and they join a different company. But if they join, if they're starting a new company, I'm like, all right, <laughs> you have yeah, at fair, it. How can I help? Play. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I want my, I want these alumni to like build something bigger than me. Like that would be a, you know, a cool spot to be in. <laughs> okay. And then Ling was your first employee. When did she join? 2017. Okay. So one year later, and now we're in 2021 and Storm, when did you join? So I joined at the height of excitement when Hackenin were leaving medium.com and had been building their own platform and were about to launch it. So it was a very exciting time for everyone. And I am historically a full stack developer 
and actually joined with the mind of doing something other than development. So I quite fancied my hand at writing and thought maybe I could fare as an editor for a time with Hacker Noon. So that was my first gig with them, but it didn't last too long, a few months before my itchy fingers couldn't <laughs> stay away from the code anymore and offered to work on a side project that was um, launching at the same time, more or less, I think, as Hackernoon.com, which was the Noonies, the first uh, greenest awards for Hackernoon, which was uh, a very interesting project. And I think we've spoken about that on a previous podcast, David. Yeah. So this is your second podcast episode, right? Yes. It is. Yeah, it is. And when was the Noonies launched? Was that 2018, 2019? 2019 was the first Noonies. Yeah, that was uh, around June, I think, or June or July was the first Noonies. And it was uh, the voting software. And Amy, you started as an editor too, right? Yes, yes. I started started as as a part-time editor. editor. Everybody started as an editor. You just put all new employees in the trenches and see how they fare. Uh Uh-huh, and then... Find something that they're really good at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A podcast host and you're a full stack developer. And I yeah. remember we were like scouring. We wanted to do these awards to recognize the community and get writers have a say and assign some awards and just have uh, more like interaction on the site. Uh, and voting is a really good way to do that and hit hits with our kind of community driven editorial line because the, 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 the community is actually deciding who wins the award. And we looked at all these softwares on the market and they were so expensive and it was like we and they didn't fit our use case and the storm was like i can just build that that's not that hard <laughs> yeah super fun all right yeah okay great david is this your first entrepreneurial venture no i i wouldn't say that and i i sold t-shirts on ebay when ebay was invented i was like 12 <laughs> okay <laughs> go wow. store, i would get t-shirts I'd list them on eBay and I would try and sell them. It was, if it sold, you made money, but it was like, you'd do a lot of listings for no bids. And it's like, this isn't worth it. I think I was was going to say at 12, how did you know what kind of hot t-shirts were in? I think I was just going off like the fancy logos of the shirts. So it was like Ralph Lauren, at the time, Ralph Lauren or like Lacoste or something, like a brand that I actually recognize. This is in like rural Pennsylvania. The thrift stores are loaded with baseball teams and softball teams. It's like printed local shirts. There wasn't too many like brand overload. Okay. Uh, Storm, what was your first? My first entrepreneurial experience was selling perfume online. Oh, okay. Uh, Back in the early days of the web as well, I guess it must have been 2005 or so. I started a website where I... Uh, found a supplier of, of perfumes and managed to sell them for for cheaper. And that was my first uh, trip into the entrepreneurial world. And I've, I guess I've always had the itch as well. I've started several small ideas since then. And I actually have a question for David here, which would be, have you ever had a normal job? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was a newspaper reporter for a little bit. And then but that only lasted like eight months. I had some physical labor jobs, night shift, moving stacks of newspapers. Those were normal jobs. And then the smart recruiters one was mostly normal, but it was bizarre because I was the first American and it was like this French guy came to San Francisco to start a bigger company than his last one. So he like didn't really need the money, but he like wanted like the, just the growth and the fame and the recognition as well as the, just a little bit addicted to the work. They start to meet these entrepreneurs and it starts to like, at some level, it just has nothing to do with money at all. It's just like, I want the thing to work the way I want it to work. And I want people to talk about it the way I want them to talk about it. And it's the ego's just blowing up and it has nothing to do with the money. 
even though the money's like at the end of the day, if without it, there's no business. I think my job now is pretty normal, right? Sponsor, wireframe, podcast. That seems pretty normal. I don't think yeah. anyone working for Hacker Noon would, would agree with that. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I'm like, uh, I don't think I would describe this as normal. I love it, but I don't think I would describe this as normal. <laughs> Hacker Noon's like the wild west of startups. We just kind of anything goes, really. You only have to just look at how the website has changed and the various campaigns that we've done over the years just to see how much of a playground it is for us and amazingly still serving so many people. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I so let's go. Playground. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's go timeline. So we started in 2016. Ling joined in 2017. We moved off Medium in 2019. Mm-hmm. And okay. In 2018, uh, the end of 2018, we raised a million dollars from our readers to do the move and build a software team. And then in 2021, we became profitable again, which is nice. Yay. Okay. So let's talk about the funding campaign that you did. Why did you choose to do it the way that you did? I didn't really know what I was going to do next at the time. So they told me I can't run uh, ads on my site anymore, even though like they had an ad on every single site and pop-ups on my site all over the place. So I was like, you're running ads. Can't I run ads too? So we hit this spot of, they just didn't want me around, which was frustrating because I was like, just when it was starting to grow, it went from one job to two jobs. The thing was growing in demand more. So it was a good, it was a a frustrating like experience, but with crowdfunding specifically, it just aligned our incentives a lot more. For businesses that are very community driven and have a large audience, but not large revenue, crowdfunding makes a lot of sense because now they're saying, hey, the community's investing, taking ownership of it. And if it grows, they get the, they reap the rewards of it. And then you also have this marketing army of 1200 people that believe this site should be bigger and they'll refer us customers and candidates and say Hacker Noon is good. And we have this dedicated 1000 fans, 1200 fans. So, and it, it really came about from our <laughs> Hacker Noon contributor himself. So the Start Engine CEO, Howard Marks, he was, he had published probably 40, 50 posts at the time on Hacker Noon. So it was like, I was literally his editor reading his stories about the crowdfunding and the whole ICO scene had just popped. Like it went crazy 2017, 28, and then 2018 start, people start to realize, oh shit, most of these are scams. And, and I, like, I really working at smart recruiters changed my perspective on equity and how important it is. And that's how I got my down payment on my house being an early employee there. So like the idea that you can take a little less money up front, but you get a stake of ownership was something that resonated with me. And I think every single person should value equity. So that taught me something, some level of value of just what is a good way to raise money. And also the venture capitalists we talked to at the time, I didn't talk to many because the, the first couple of discussions were all the same. Like, David, we don't know if you can build a platform. And I'm like, okay, look at this community. And they're like, we don't know if you can do the software. So I think I can. We don't know if you can. <laughs> so, and I didn't, no one really knew. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just the, the leverage of, it's, it's a very good thing. If entrepreneurs are capable of have the demand, like setting your own terms is a really good thing. I'm really thrilled that I could keep Hacker Noon as an entirely common stock company, no preferred shares, every share is equal. And that idea really appealed to me about uh, how to grow a company fairly. Mm-hmm. What I do completely you think- agree with that. Oh, sorry, so, sorry, Amy. I just want to say I completely agree with that. And I think that it's a place where a lot of startups fall short, especially very young startups, and that they're not really distributing the invested interest very well among 
never mind their users, but their uh, actual employees as well. And as a good example of this, I think recently there is a digital bank in the in in Europe called Bank from the Netherlands, and they recently became a unicorn, and they're now valued at like two billion dollars. And it's been touted as this success story, but in truth, it's a situation where this where the CEO is holding something ridiculous. I don't know, eighty percent or close to a hundred percent of the shares. So his employees don't get any equity and and no one really benefits from that except him. I think it's really good that Hacker Noon has the way that they chose to fund the first round uh, was so inclusive of the audience that, that, that made use of the site, which I think really helped contribute towards its early stability and growth and support, especially during this kind of rocky transition period of medium. It's really good that uh, the people that are using it at the time are understanding. I would say. Yeah, a lot of stuff broke. It was a little tough. Gotta be gentle, but sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's me, your podcast host and best friend. Are you ready to start investing in crypto? If so, I'm gonna put a link in the description of this episode so you can earn $600 in rewards at Bybit. You're welcome. Back to the episode. Bye. So then, what do you think was the hardest, most difficult phase of the startup that? you experienced it's hard to say in the beginning it was uh yeah and you got to pay rent so like i was serving these marketing customers on the side writing for people doing their identity not being able to spend as much time on hacker noon because it wasn't it took 15 months to make the first dollar and we were bootstrapping for so long i think that that stuff is hard i'd say the hardest thing for me personally it's not really any specific time it's just when the downs are the downs like the ride of sticking at something for years and growing it over time, it's the, there's just days that you feel like what you make is complete shit and it's crap. And you see this, some anecdotal evidence and you're just like, life is crap. I am crap. I make crap. And what you need to do is just wait. And you just wait 24 hours and someone is saying how great it is and how much they love you and you find the right thing. And then it's all good again. But getting through that 24 or 48 hours when you feel that, thing in the back of your mind that's, oh, you could quit. You could just quit and get a six digit job. It wouldn't be that hard. Like, and you're like, why am I grinding it out for this low wage? (laughs) So there's some of that. And that still happens now. Like whenever, even though everything's much more stable, much more people relying on it. When I don't have fear, when I leave the internet that it's going to break, I, I think it's going to keep growing. So there's, even now though, there's things, little things will just piss me off and I'll have a bad day. And I'll just say, why did I put my life on this? And then that day passes and then it's good. But that's probably the hardest thing. And that's more of a me problem than a a startup Mm -hmm. problem, I think. Yeah. Like, I think it's the ups and downs of work in general or life in general and just almost combating, like, not an imposter syndrome, but yeah, I don't know, the self-doubt or the what ifs of the other side of the coin, I think. Yeah. Cool, cool. And And so then in general, building a business that relies so heavily on search engine rankings can be a bit scary at times because Google ships an update and then you're not sure what is responsible for changes in traffic. I'm not really worried about the changes in updates. Like I'll, I can read from them, learn and adapt. I get more paranoid about what if this guy at Google just doesn't like me at, at the level our site's at it. We're getting reviewed at individual levels of how we should index. Like it's not just the algorithm. There are machines deciding what is Hacker Noon or humans deciding what is Hacker Noon and how should we index them? Like they're debate, people are debating that. So that's not, 
that part of it is where I get a little more scared. <laughs> Which is also why it's good then to, to branch out into these other sort of side avenues, take the noonies or startups, for example, mm-hmm. um, where we're serving the community on more than just a publishing platform. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's a great transition. I want to talk up to you, Storm, about startups, which is a project that you just are work that you're working on and are just about to launch, right? So tell me more about your project that you're working on. I'd love to take credit for this, but this was actually David's idea and it came from the Noonies because when we built the Noonies, we had the idea that we would have this sort of polling voting software that we could then package and use for other cases or potentially even sell to, to other companies. So Startups is the first instance or of, of the new software where we took this and then had another idea for it, which was to essentially have a really large database of startups around the world grouped by city and then allow people to vote on, on which startups they thought were the best per region. And so David, I don't know if you want to speak a bit more about oh, Yeah, we wanted to, because the Noonies, we learned that people resonated more than brands and the Noonies like fit with people. So we wanted to, I wanted to like look at saying, hey, let's make it just companies and look at how do we rank just companies and this voting and we ended up settling on voting by location for a simple way to divide startups. And it's a little ironic as everyone moves to remote work, we're, we're valuing the HQ, but it is a good way to recognize uh, regions. So there's uh, 4,000 uh, cities in the world above 100,000 people. So I put 100,000 people as a barrier if there's enough business activity that we can get some good companies to vote on. And we can give all these small companies, just being nominated for an award is not something that happens often for small companies. And winning an award is not something that happens either. And usually it's very predatory. You pay, I remember paying to get listed at my old company to win some corporate blog event. And you have to pay to get listed, then pay to be able to use their logos. It's a predatory um industry. So having something that, you know, is actually offering benefits from sponsors and the social proof of the award and all of that and giving um, these startups a third party validation in the early days, every single third party site that talks about you is a big deal. And so I think we're going to tap into something here of uh, giving all these startups something that they can use in all their marketing collateral. And it's going to be interesting because the voters can be located anywhere. So they're voting objectively on, but they probably only care about the region if they're go, like they only care about the region if they're in it. So I think we're going to see some interesting uh, traffic trends of how this works by location, and it's going to be very worldwide and diverse. So I'm I'm really excited for it. And like Storm said, it's a mini database, and now we have this graph of all these startups and where they're located. And now we're going to get social proof of what people, which what startups the community thinks will grow or not grow. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah, that's all I, yeah, yes. I so the, there's a certain level of pride when you know that a startup is from your city. So it'll be quite interesting. I'm trying to think of myself as a voter, even I'll of course browse my own city startups here in Munich and vote there. But then also I have an attachment to just certain startups in general that are not based here. So I think that it should be really interesting to see what the voting trends are like and what startups are getting the the most votes and where the, where that traffic is coming from. If it's majority Hacker Noon users or if it's from you know the companies themselves promoting the award site. But we, what we found was from the Noonies, 
was one that people really like unexpected to be unexpectedly nominated for an award and that they for some reason really valued this sort of digital status right this this kind of award for a particular thing be it best yeah, right you know, the, the best time to give a gift when it's unexpected that's the best time <laughs> right Wait, i was gonna say your birthday, birthday. <laughs> no not your birthday unexpected time that's the best that's time. true that's true all right i would love to learn more storm about the development process behind uh this how many months has luckily the majority of the infrastructure had already been built with the noonies but like all internet technology these days it was outdated the moment we shipped it basically it's now been two years since the original noonies was built and there while there were some upgrades last year to the system, the the stack that the Nunis was built on has changed significantly. So for those who don't know, the Nunis was built on a GraphQL server through Apollo and hosted on a Heroku database that it was managed via Prisma. There's a lot of tech <laughs> names that I've thrown in there, but the main thing is that some of those technologies are not really in use anymore or not supported anymore and have been deprecated, namely Prisma 1, which the Nunis was built on. And we're at a stage now where we've had to um, upgrade it. Yeah, we'll be looking at moving that to a different database system because we found that the hosting it with Heroku can be quite costly for us because Heroku charges for the number of records that we have. And you can imagine 4,000 cities, 30,000 to 50,000 startups to 100,000, that can get quite expensive. Yeah, that's where things are at now. But uh, yeah, we'll be but moving. But when it did you start from- doing this aside from the things that you already had built with the Noonies? It's been a slow process. We started building it, I think, sometime at the beginning of this year as a small side project. But all in all, it really didn't take all that much time. I would say maybe a few weeks of solid work. Okay. There was a lot of data data gathering around our end and uh, sales time time frame, and also debate of, is this the best next instance of it? Like voting Mm -hmm. on startups versus voting on podcasts versus voting on restaurants. Like Mm -hmm. obviously the startups is more closely tied to Hacker Noon, but this is a good voting software and we have weighted voting, we have authentication, we have spam prevention, and we (laughs) give Hacker Noon writers like higher weighted votes. So there's, um, yeah, there's elements of like how to connect it to the existing base versus what if you just had this software and you could vote on anything. And we're Hacker Noon, so we have a base. So we want to connect to our base in this this situation. In the technology industry, like we've done a really good, I think a good job historically of leveling up the people actually doing the work. An engineer at Facebook can log in and publish a story and a bunch of them have. But we don't have, to date, we haven't had accountability for the brands or coverage for the brands. And these are the things that, this is deciding how the money is spent in the whole industry. You have the consumer side of it, but in terms of the supply, like covering the companies is something that I want to make a push at Hacker Noon. And we did it a little bit with brand publishing and we have customers who come in and republish their whole blogs with us. Then we did it a little more with the tech company news page where we use the Bing API to curate news around the web. And now we're saying, hey, what about the smallest companies? Who's rising up next? And instead of just hearing from the people making the companies, we're going to have the community vote on them and have a little bit of that third-party perspective. So I think it's going to make Hacker Noon a more accurate reflection of what's going on in the tech industry. 
Yeah, especially yeah. Uh, being a community voted affair, right? So these badges that will appear on on companies' pages on Hacker Noon, or even if that they use in their own material, will be completely community voted. So I think that's quite a good distinction from uh, what you might otherwise expect, where maybe a company was awarded by a board of members who you know, interests you are not not really aware of. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So as a startup, when can I expect to receive my notification that I was nominated in my inbox? Depends when we publish this podcast. I guess now, <laughs> maybe it's already there. Ah, okay. <laughs> a good answer? <laughs> soon, soon, soon. Okay. So it's happening soon. And how long do people have to vote? Through the end of the year. We'll announce an official date, but it's uh, basically we're trying to yeah go from now through the end of the year. Okay, and where will this be hosted? Startups.hackernoon.com. Startups.hackernoon.com. Okay. That's not a dot IO. That's not a dot edu. Org. Org, no. It's a dot com. All right, cool. And I am very excited because in conjunction with launching the startups nominations, I am going to be interviewing a lot of different founders and CEOs of these startup companies over the summer, which I am coining the summer startup series, everybody. So even though you have to vote, the ability to vote till the end of the year, over the summer, I will be interviewing a bunch of different CEOs and founders. So very excited about that and upcoming stuff for the podcast. And Storm, anything else that you're working on Hacker Noon for an upcoming uh, something? Why, yes, Amy. As a matter of fact, we're in the middle of uh, preparing the Noonies for this year, which now that we have startups will be a lot more user-focused, whereas previously... The Noonies sort of incorporated both companies and, and users. The Noonies this year will be a lot more user-focused. So that's pretty exciting. Excellent. And David, as the founder and CEO of Hacker Noon, what do you think the future of Hacker Noon? Bigger, better, <laughs> bolder, faster. We want to keep this core of publishing a lot of quality stories, doing more things to make the stories better, like GPT-3 headline generators, different text editors, markdown editors, more ways to read, more ways to choose your content. And because Acronym is a big library now, and most users don't care about a lot of the library. We've done a lot of features for readers to try and say, hey, how do I only get the type of content I want? So I think that's a really good thing. And we're going to work with brands more. We've had, we published three, 400 brands with their corporate blogs. And hopefully we're going to be talking about three or 4,000. And because it's news, when a technology company makes an official statement, they've put a lot of labor into it and they brought it in. And it's something that belongs on Hacker Noon too. And hopefully this with this, we're building a lot more software and we're spending most of our money on software now. So I also just, I have to figure out how we're going to move all the software into more places and how we're going to start to have more instances and interact with people and keep Hacker Noon as this core, amazing place to read and write and reflect the whole technology industry. But that also means we have technologies that could help you. So hopefully as we become more and more of a software company, people think Hacker Noon. Sweet. All right. Thank you everybody for joining the podcast today. Storm, 
where can we find you and what you're working on online? You can find me on Twitter at Storm Farrell. That'd probably be the best place to keep up. Well, that's stormfarrell.com. Yeah, you could also visit there, although I don't update that quite as much. <laughs> and how about startups.hackernoon.com? Startups.hackernoon.com. <laughs> yes, inadvertently, you can find out what I'm working Funny on there. there. Yes. And David, where can we find? It's spelled S-M-O-K-E, davidsmook.net. Uh, that one's... Hackernoon.com slash you slash davidsmook. And how about your Twitter? That one is actually Lingdao Smook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. Okay, great. Perfect. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it on all of the channels. Tell your friends. Get hyped for startups. And stay weird. And I'll see you on the internet. Goodbye. Peace. Bye.